Hi everybody, I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing and this is Exhibit A Attorneys where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. As with most recent episodes, I get to do a double dip here. I have an attorney and an expert uh, in Joey Vitale for those of you that do not know him. And then also joining us today is Kim Samsel, so we'll have Kim do her bio after we do Joey's. So this is what Joey wrote. Uh, he's a growth coach and trademark attorney, also known as a, quote, brand legitimizer, unquote, for online entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. With his law firm and his courses, Joey helps online business owners call legal dibs. The term legal dibs, I think, is so much better than the brand legitimizer. For those of you that know Joey, um, he is truly invested in himself and I shouldn't say himself, his clients and the work that his firm does. Um, he's got an awesome Facebook group where he's gearing up for his 500th trademark that they have put on for those for their clients, let alone all of the wonderful courses where they've allowed people to do it themselves. He even recently got a trademark himself for the name of the course, Power Brand. Is that what it was? I did. All right. Cool. There we go. See, I'm up on it. Um, but most importantly, so Joey reps Indie Law, a law firm that does things a little bit differently, hence the legal dibs. So I just really love the brand cohesion that Joey has with those online course creators and creatives. If you're not looking for an attorney who's super stiff and uptight, Joey is the way to go to protect your brand. The first time I heard him speak, he started off doing a uh, like spoken word battle rap as part of his speech, and it has stuck with me ever since. So thank you for joining us. Oh, man, it's it's a real honor to be here. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. And then Kim, can you tell everybody a little bit, little bit about yourself? Well, I'm sort of a jack of all trades. I've done a little bit of everything with sales and marketing. Um, I got my big break, if you will, at an agency here in Orlando. Um, worked there for four years and worked with a, an established client. Um, that was a huge health client here in Central Florida. And worked the ins and outs of not only traditional marketing, but also digital, social, everything in between. Um, so I got a lot of experience there with that and that has taught me things that I never even wanted to know about marketing. So, <laughs> and now I'm here. Sorry. What? No. I, I, was I cutting you off? No, 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 you're good. Oh, okay. So Kim's selling herself a little short there. So after doing all that, I then hired her for my law firm where she brought all that wealth and wisdom and knowledge internally and then did such a good job training and helping it become a core of everybody else's that we then were like, well, guess what? Now we need to move you to the marketing side so you can help other firms recreate the same awesome work that you have brought for us. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So our, um, after we're done with this chat today, we're gonna be talking about the marketing mistakes you're making and how to avoid them. Uh, you can listen to our previous episode that aired last Thursday. We did not have a show Monday because I'm still a little under the weather. You can tell for those of you that listen to the sound of my voice too frequently. Uh, that was the layered strategy to referrals that every firm should have with Stacy Brown Randall, who I know is also a, uh, a good connect of Joey as well as myself, because all of us really believe in what she says and like bringing a lot of those sticky client experiences and wonderful referrals to our business. But enough about that. You can watch that one afterwards because today I do not want to waste any time getting super deep, going extra deep with Joey Vitale on the marketing mistakes you're making and how to avoid them. Man, well, you know, for anybody who missed Stacy's episode, 
uh, I hope this is kind of went in reverse order because really I should be the the front. She should be the front runner. I forget the concert language speak, but she should go first and then I should go. Uh, and I'm really the warm up for, for what she does. So, yeah. So, so she's the main act. Go back and watch that one after this one. There we go. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes in marketing is that even though people know a referral plan is important, they don't actually build a referral plan. And I think that there is, there's a lot of leads that you can find and close if you clarify exactly what you're going to do when it comes to building and managing those referral partners. And no one does that better than Stacy. I don't know, Joey, you have implemented some amazing things. I know I've got some uh, indie law swag in my closet. That's yeah, and a new one's coming your way, a Jordan special. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> um, no, it's so true. You know, we've got 1.3 million firms, uh, million attorneys across about 400,000 firms. So you may have, you know, Joey's going on almost 500 specific law firm clients. Some firms might have a decent amount more, but some might have a decent amount less. So here are that many people who have chosen you to be the number one attorney across the 1.3 million options or the, you know, 50 to 100 referral sources that have decided that you were the best person for them to send their clients to. And then you're like, cool, thanks. See ya. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really powerful lever to doing things like filling up your call schedule that people don't think about because they put so much pressure on, on, you know, what can I post on social media today to hopefully get people to book calls? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Kim, you want to share some of the stuff that we have done and put in place for some of our clients and we'll have Joey share some of the specific takeaways in terms of building that referral plan or helping it impact people? Of course. I mean, we use a software like most firms do to help um, make sure everything moves along properly and that tasks are created so people are up to date with what they need to get and what they need to request from either referrals or clients. Um, every time a new client calls or potential client calls, we make sure we always ask, it's always one of the first things we ask is, how did you hear about the firm? How, um, if it is from someone, then great. If it's from Google, great. We always mark that down when we are speaking with them so that we have that information in place. Um, we have a system set up so that Jordan or Heather or anybody in the office will send a thank you note if it is a specific referral, a specific company, a specific other attorney or a previous client. Um, we make sure we reach out to thank them for thinking of us and thinking about how we can help people that they care about or people that they've spoken to. Um, it's, we always say it's a compliment because that means that they trust our judgment and trust that we are willing to do everything we can to make sure that um, we can help or even try to help, even if it's referring them out to somebody else that we think will be a better fit for them or ask, answer any questions that they may have. Um, we always take the time to not only treat the potential client with respect, but also whoever sent them to us. Mm. So we think that's a really, really important part of it. Um, and that's how you build up that referral base. Um, going out of our way to 
thank them or shout out or do anything that just gives them that attention like we really appreciate that you thought of us so that's that's a huge part of it and um like i said the software implements that into so we don't nothing falls through the cracks so we don't miss out on an opportunity to do those things so joey well, I mean, Kim said it all so well. Some things that we learned that we weren't doing as effectively as we could, again, props to Stacy and her programs for helping us identify this stuff, but uh, it was a real aha for my team and I to see that a referral is somebody who refers work to you, not just somebody who sends work to you that becomes a client. And so once we started changing that, metric and saying, no, it's when people make the intro or make the connection that that is a referral touch point that we go back and we thank them for it. That has been super helpful. And also, and Jordan, I don't know many people who, if any, who does this better than you, but thinking about when it comes to your own social media engagement, how are you keeping the strategy of keeping your referral partners top of mind? And so, so they're thinking of you and, and you're keeping up the, the conversation with them. So when an opportunity arises, your name comes to mind immediately and having that kind of dual strategy in your marketing of, yeah, I want to be connecting with, with new people on these platforms, but I also want to be staying engaged with people on these platforms who are sending work my way. See, correct me if I'm wrong on that though, because like I find that to be relatively easy you know when you when you've got the genuineness online when you genuinely care about your clients when you genuinely appreciate your referral sources it connects the dots so easily like oh i'm out to lunch with so and so you know let's take a picture let's tag everybody oh you know i i got a really nice gift from somebody or you know somebody got a thing from us i mean do you find that to be similar because i think you do a great job with this as well well i mean thank you i i think that it and maybe it is easier done than I think about in theory. I just don't think that it gets talked about enough when people talk about, okay, let's look at your marketing strategy. It tends to be very kind of how can we, what can we put on social media to like get new leads or, you know, what do we need to be saying to our potential audience versus what can we be saying to these 50 people who are our best referral partners? See, and I think that's a huge marketing mistake. I think they mm, the always yeah. going in for the right hook and not being okay with the jab or not really truly trying to build those relationships. Yeah. Is that something that's on your list for marketing mistakes? Yeah, well, any like any good lawyer, I've got I've got a list and I'm trying to be flexible with it. Uh but but yeah, I think that one one big mistake that I know I've made before is getting so caught up on this idea of the sales side of it, of, you know, the, the in a lot of ways, the, the main purpose of marketing is to fill up our, our leads that we can convert each week and each month. And so there can, it can very easily turn into a situation where you're applying a lot of pressure and weight to your content calendar. And you're like, these things have to work and these call to actions must be effective so that we can hit these revenue numbers. And that can be a scary, really uncomfortable place for either you as the business owner or, or whoever is in charge of your marketing to live. See, that's so funny because I think Kim will echo this. I think we've always sort of flipped that. 
Yeah. You know, like Kim, can you talk a little bit about how much we've used, you know, client questions, concerns, ideas to then backfill that into the content we're putting out? Mm. Because ultimately, I mean, that's what matters. You know, your audience is telling you what they're curious about. Yeah. Oh, we have a weekly meeting where we um, have everybody in the staff and we ask, has there been a question that you've received this week or in the past that you think that you get all the time? So frequently asked questions. Did something come up this week that you haven't seen in a while that we should talk about? And we actually turn those into videos and clips mm. that we push to kind of educate um, the audience just so because there's little things here and there, especially with the specific type of law that sometimes a simple question can kind of spiral or it's just a simple question of them calling the office and you answer it really quickly for them and they realize, oh, then I don't need an attorney or something like along those lines. So it educates the audience and it, it makes potential callers a little bit more informed um, mm. if they do their research on which law firm to you know reach out to and um, so that they can get more questions answered. So we, we, we like to do it so that it, people have a baseline coming into it mm. and kind of understand what they're getting themselves into a little bit more. But we, like I said, we do that every week um, and we film as much as possible so that we can turn that into blogs, we turn that into the videos that we use and the clips that we use, and we build a library with that kind of content. I love that. I love that. And you know, Jordan, I want to make sure that I'm respecting your audience and the people that are watching this, because I know that for a lot of people who follow you, they're not at like step zero of marketing. And oh. I know that I know that a lot of people talk about repurposing content, but one mistake that I and my team realized we were making and now we're, we're starting to lean into it more is it's not, it's not just about repurposing your content, but it's also about having the data there to see what content seems to be performing well and being willing to repurpose that effective content and not think that you're going to be repeating yourself so much that people are going to be annoyed at you by spinning what's working best for your business and six to 10 or more different ways, because that's what's helping the most people. See, and I think that's the beauty of social media is you're getting real time feedback in the form of impressions, but also in the form of legitimately likes, like legitimately your audience telling you, I'd like this, Yeah, which means I want to, uh, hopefully means I want to see more of this. Um, and then I always think it's funny how, you know, like if you tell somebody something over the phone, they'll, they'll take it with a grain of salt. But if you're like, here's the YouTube video where I explained exactly what we just talked about on the phone, then like, well, it's on YouTube. It must be right. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Especially so, if the guy who's saying it has a beard on with a cool shirt. Well, you know, hey, I do what I can. Look, man, it's you got two ways as a guy. You have two options. You can go totally clean shaven or you can go bearded and then you turn into the Zeus, Jesus, Santa Claus of people believing, you know, wonderful things. <laughs> so That's awesome. So what are some, I love, I love how you phrase a lot of this of like, you know, my team has realized this because look, I think everything, I, I always am hesitant to take advice from those that haven't walked the walk. And so I think both of us are sharing a lot of like, look, we made this mistake and we have seen it in practice, or we have seen the success through our companies, through our firms, through our course, through, you know, whatever it is. So what are some of these other marketing mistakes that you all have come across that have moved the needle the best for you and for your clients? Well, one, one big mistake 
has been thinking that there are certain experts out there with all of the answers. And instead, we're now realizing that we just have to be willing to let the data speak for itself. I remember the first marketing expert I hired, I was so upset when I started working with her and she just kept asking me to fill out these spreadsheets. And I was like, when are you going to tell me what to do? And she was like, it depends on what's on these spreadsheets. And a quick little story, just to give you guys kind of a behind the scenes in real time, look at what's happening. When, when Jordan said, Joey, at the, at the beginning of this episode, Joey, I, I like the, the legal dibs more than the brand legitimizer. I wrote that down because I always lean in whenever Jordan gives me feedback. It's interesting because I, there have been a lot of Facebook groups where people have been like, oh my gosh, you got to work with Joey. He even calls himself the brand legitimizer. That's why I work with him. And so I'm always trying to see, okay, what is it that people are saying they're liking or what's the phrasings or the words that they're remembering? See, I'm getting the, uh, I think, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld has the skit about it where he's like, you know, at some point dibs no longer counts. You can't, you don't sit in court and they're like, well, did he call dibs? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so funny because like literally in your, in your shoes, yes, I called dibs and like, and the, you know, the USPTO backed me on my dibs. So it just, it really resonates with me. Well, and that's, I mean, that's another, I think, big mistake that we as lawyers specifically are making uh, is it is very difficult for us to not talk in legalese and to really talk about plain English. And some of that is just because we have to, consciously kind of edit ourselves down back to a fourth grade level when we're communicating. I think another huge part of it though, and I've had a video coach work with me a lot on this, is when at least I hit the record button and start talking and I'm thinking about who I'm talking to, she would always call out, who are you thinking is watching this video? And every time I was, I caught myself stuttering or kind of mumbling or tripping over my words or having a hard time getting things out. I realized I was hesitant to say what I wanted to say because I had this idea in my head of what about the other lawyers who might be watching this? What if there are other people who are colleagues of mine who, who know what I'm talking about and would say, oh, Joey got that wrong. Or come on, Joey, like, you know that there are like five, it depends exceptions to what you just said. Like, you should give everything on that. And I can think of certain Facebook ads that I've run with, where there have been kind of know-it-all commenters saying like, actually, Joey, like this is wrong and this is wrong. Like people shouldn't work with you. Like that's happened before. But the truth is most of the people who you're putting this content out there who are looking for your help don't need to know any of that stuff. They just need to know what that next step is. And so the simpler you can say it, especially if you're an attorney, I, and I, and this is where I might be ruffling some feathers. I think even if that means sacrificing some 100% accuracy, if it helps that person understand what their next step is, then it's effective. I mean, how much, Kim, how much do you feel like that's part of your job? You know, we're, I always feel like we're translating the lawyer speak into the marketing speak and then combining both of them into normal English? Um, I mean, it's, I, I feel like the best example I can give is when we were trying to help you set up your whole calendar for your social, for your personal, 
um, and us trying to convey to you how we think it should be, but then you were like, but no, I think, I think it needs to be up this way. We, we legitimately were on the same page. We just weren't expressing ourselves correctly because of that. We were using terminology that like wasn't computing with each other. So I think a lot of that happens all the time. And that is a mistake. A lot of things can be done quicker and simpler um, when you just break it down and say, this is how it should go. And this is, you know, what I think, and this is your information. So yeah. one, one exercise that's been really helpful for my team and I has been this idea of creating a ladder of beliefs for your potential client and kind of rung by rung, what are the beliefs that they believe before they believe that they need to hire you when they're going to. And so how can you speak to somebody at each particular rung in that ladder in your marketing as they're kind of learning more about trademarks or marketing or whatever it is so that they might be a little bit more advanced in what they're, what they're worried about if they're, if they know they want to work with an attorney, but they don't know who yet, or they've done a lot of shopping around and they know what a 1A versus a 1B application is versus somebody who's just getting started and thinks that by getting an LLC, they have trademark rights. So I have a question along those lines then, because obviously, look, we want to, I, I think we all want to be go-to experts. I don't think mm. any of us want to just be churning and milling through as many people as possible, although there are some firms built that way. Mm. But for the attorneys that that's their concern, like, hey, if I want to be the go-to, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure all my videos dot every I, cross every T, I have all 19 exceptions to the hearsay rule, but we yada, yada, yada. Like, what do you say to those people? Jordan knows this about me. I'm very reluctant to give like advice to somebody without knowing exactly what's going on. But what I've done, and it's it's worked well so far for us, is we've created a webinar that allows us to get into a lot of those complications in one piece of content. So that as long as we're attracting people to that, then the content that's promoting the webinar can be simpler, more bite-sized, kind of incomplete in what it is we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's, I mean, that's you kind of finding a different audience for the more, like, because my, my expectation of this is really like, hey, then write for your local bar journal, you know, or write for the, mm. the or whatever. Like, if you're so upset or you're so concerned about the nitpicky attorney, I, guess what, you know, the 7 billion views that your video has on YouTube is not going through the ABA model rule on whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that we sort of throw away a whole audience over like three people that are never going to watch it anyway. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love video is being able to track how long people are tuning in. Mm -hmm. And especially in our webinar software, it's not just how long they're watching, but how long are they watching in a focused way where they're not on other tabs. And so, uh, for, I don't think I ever told you this, but I got really big into leading retreats and giving presentations when I was in high school. So like getting up in front of a group of middle schoolers and, and talking with them. And it got to a point where this, uh, there were more and more churches and parishes who wanted to provide this kind of, ret of a retreat for 
the kids at their school and there weren't a whole lot of teenagers willing to lead them. So I was leading like seven retreats a year, giving the same talk. And I kind of had that experience that you hear stand-up comedians talk about where like they try a joke out and they see who laughs. And I think so much, especially of video content is saying, okay, what can I be saying in what order so that people keep paying attention to what I'm saying? And I have to prioritize that attention and engagement over my own accuracy. And if, the, if there's a way for me to provide a, a lecture on all of the trademark rights and all, all of the laws and all of the different ways that everything fits together in a way that keeps 100% attendance until the end, cool, but the numbers have to support that. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think like, so, you know, you've got the opportunity for that um, in terms of writing for the Bar Journal. I love what you mm. got with that more in-depth webinar. And honestly, like, I think a lot of firms don't push their client reviews enough. Mm. I find that to be one of the best things is like, look, you're going to tell me I'm an idiot, but here's a hundred, what do we have for Jordan Law, Kim, 131 or something like that as of today? Yeah. Like, look, mm -hmm. here's 130 something people that went out of their way to write a review and, you know, knock on wood, 128 of them are five stars or, or whatever it is along those lines. Um, yeah. you know, but then who cares? Like that's the person actually seeing, they went through our process. They walked the walk, they went through it and they had a great experience. I love, I love that you brought reviews. that up. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> the, the one time I trust reviews, I don't trust them on movies and stuff, but when it comes to a new place to eat or somewhere that, that provides a service, I always go and read the reviews first. Yeah. And, and one thing that we're working on now is how to create content where it's like, the content starts with a, a commonly asked question that we receive and then positioning a review as the answer. Ooh, I like so that. whether that's like an Instagram carousel where it's like a question and then one of our reviews screenshotted to provide like their response to that or a video where we're saying like, yeah, like we get that a lot. Like we want to introduce you to one of our clients or whoever who had this to say about that answer with us. That's a really good tip. I like that. Yeah, because I mean, with um, one of my all-time favorite books called Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith, mm. and he talks about like when you have a product, you've got features. Okay, we added Apple CarPlay to our cars this year. All right, we've got the lane assist. We've got this new widget. With the service, it's like, you're going to give me money, and I promise you you're going to enjoy what I'm going to do for you after I have your money. Mm. And it's so hard to really phrase this because, you know, like no offense to you all, you don't have access to like a different review system or a different application or whatever it is. It's you, you know, having the great experience for the client. It's you knowing you can dot every I, check every box, cross every T, whatever it's going to be. And it's how you make them feel while that, you know, similar thing is happening. And I think as attorneys, we lose sight of the concept of we are very similar and yet we can treat clients differently more so than we can lawyer differently. Yeah, really well said. Thank you. So what what else is on the list, man? I'm uh let's I don't think we're going to get through all of them, but well, well we're we're actually through most of them. Uh There we go. See look at you being awesome without you meaning to. Next marketing uh, mistake, not having enough mistakes to go over when you talk to somebody for Yeah, now. right. Right. <laughs> well, so here's another one that 
we can probably dive into and talk about in different ways. I think a lot of people, when it comes to marketing, they're thinking about, okay, what types of content can I create and then put out there? And Jordan, you and I have talked a lot about the importance of engagement as a marketing strategy. And so not meaning just, are you tracking the engagement on your own stuff, but are you spending time ideally every day engaging thoughtfully with other referral partners, with clients, with potential clients, with whoever. And one thing that I think is, and I don't know the answer to this, Jordan, so maybe you can help fill the holes on this, but I have more and more business friends who are more introverted than I am and who really feel like showing up on social media is a chore. And they're like, what, what can I do to have a successful marketing plan without me having to connect with people? And part of me wants to say, like, you might not want to do this, but do you feel like there, there, there is a way for introverts or people who, you know, really just want to maybe even just like say yes to being off of their screens, you know, for a long time, or maybe not delete apps on their phones? Is there a way to check the engagement box without really talking to people? Sure. Well, so... Kim, I won't, I won't uh, ask you for your thoughts on social media on this question. <laughs> so I, I, am, I have the opposite view. I yeah. actually think social media is better for introverts if you do it the right way. Mm. Because ultimately, like, look, if, if you are agoraphobic, then you have the physical concept of staying at home. But, like, if you are truly afraid of other people, that's one thing. But for the most part, introverts just tend to not like large crowds mm. and tend to prefer that more one-on-one -on -one contact. So guess what? When you're doing a video, have one person stand behind the camera and you are talking to them. And it's captured for video for everybody, but literally make your intended goal to be that one person behind the camera, not to be 7 billion people across the country. Yeah. When it comes to the engagement, talk, you know, talk about having that as a one-to-one -one conversation with the person who you are engaging with that comment. Don't be concerned about the 5 million other people that might see it in any way, shape, or form. You know, extroverts, I think, actually have more of a problem because one we tend to not be as directly focused on one person mm. which sometimes is a negative when it comes to social media but two i think a lot of times we're living off the energy of a crowd which you don't get in social media you know if i'm if i'm filming a video upstairs that's a lot different than talking to 200 attorneys and even if it's through zoom it's still not the same you know gallery view is not the same as an audience yeah. So that's where I think introverts really have to ask themselves, like, am I concerned about the success of this if too many people see it? Or am I just concerned about talking to one person who will be my ideal client avatar, who mm. will be the person that this resonates with, it will be there for them, and I don't even have to deal with the, with a large crowd of people. Yeah. You know, that just makes me think that one, and this is a, I'm learning this again in real time, but I think a more universal takeaway on that point is, clarify your complaint when it comes to marketing and what you don't like about it. Because I, you've, you've helped me through this in different ways. If there, are, if there are parts of your marketing that feel heavy or you just don't like to do it, it always helps to get more specific about what you don't like about it. Because there are probably other ways to do it or other ways to think about 
what it is or you know do you really hate live streaming so much that you'd rather go out and network in person with people no then like love your your phone yeah i was going to say the same thing it, there's ways around what the issues are and that's the, i mean as much as i dislike social media that's the best <laughs> that's the beauty of it there's if you don't want to be on camera then get a design team to make a cartoon of you while you speak into a microphone so that way you you know you're not on camera but at least your voice is there um and even a character of you is there or just you know do slides or there's so many different things that you can do to help combat whatever the issue may be. I mean, look at, let's be super meta. Look at this piece of content that's going on right now. So we are in a Google Meet, in essence, a Zoom, having a conversation. Now that happens to be recorded. That happens to be on Facebook Live. I hope that, you know, hundreds or thousands of people will see this. But at the end of the day, like I'm talking to the two of you and then Breezy has the, the weirdest job of just sitting in the background, making sure everything's running. So I always, I constantly take my hat off to you, Breezy. He's learned so much. <laughs> but like, ultimately, this is a three-person conversation that just happens to be on the internet. You know, this is not mm -hmm. us up on stage having to explain, you know, having to uh, imagine everybody in their underwear or whatever the stupid getting over your fear of public speaking things are. It's, it's an easy mm -hmm. thing. And through... You know, unfortunately, because of COVID, with everything that's gone on, you know, you've probably been in a hundred thousand Zoom meetings over the last fourteen months. Yeah, yeah, this is the norm now. <laughs> well, and, and it brings up, I think, another mistake people are making. T talking about this example, what we're doing now is people aren't leaning into certain live strategies of marketing, and I think there are a lot of benefits to doing things live. But for me, the time-saving piece of it is enormous. I remember when I first started, I was burning through different takes on my phone. It was so annoying to be like, this is, there's literally a hundred thumbnails of me on this one video doing different takes. And if you want to beat that perfectionist tendency that you have, nothing is like hitting the go live button. And yesterday I went live with our friend Melissa Shanahan for my show. I forgot the name of my show, but I couldn't redo it. So that's just now in the first five seconds forever of my episode with Melissa. So quick, everybody go over that link and comment on. Yeah. But, but I mean, here's the thing. Most people aren't going to care to, to your credit because most people are going to realize it's such a minuscule thing. And yeah. to anybody who's like, oh, what a moron who forgot the name of his own show. There's going to be a million other reasons for you to hate working with them. And for them, for them to weed themselves out over that part. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it also shows that you're human and you make mistakes and you're not this like polished like robot that does this this and this so it it just it makes you more human yeah i don't think haters and trolls on on facebook or anywhere realize how much they're helping people by leaving comments well depends upon well, the algorithmic standpoint <laughs> yeah you know un unfortunately i think you have a lot of like middle and high schoolers that are uh abusing mm -hmm. themselves based upon their online trolling but Ugh. from a true algorithm standpoint facebook is just as happy to show you stuff that you hate and engage with as it is to show you stuff that you love and engage with so yeah enjoy enjoy cute babies and cats but also like neo-nazis and stuff because you know that creates the emotional response so you stay on facebook and get involved in keyboard war this so i'm just going to keep rolling now that jordan told me i wasn't i didn't have long of a list this goes to another mistake i think people make of there's this 
there's this new trend right now in marketing of like, what can I post to be divisive so that I can have a lot of people agreeing or disagreeing with me? And I think it's coming from this, this legitimate thing that people are understanding of if you put your, if you're putting out content that people are having strong opinions about either way, it helps the content. I think what, what I'm seeing be more effective is post things that are authentic to you and your beliefs and, and don't hesitate if those things happen to be divisive, but don't make it divisive by design. Don't pick a fight just to get engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Facebook is actually working on, <clears throat> excuse me, um, some of their algorithm changes. They're trying to push forward, um, correct me if I'm wrong, not insightful. They're trying to push forward inspiring content, right? Mm. I think that's the exact word that they used. So they did a massive study of people's engagement and whatnot and, and fears about social media. And the reality being that social media polarizes people because it gives you things that you love and that you hate. So you engage with it. And so people were talking about that being their concern that they weren't getting inspired you know the the monday motivation and whatnot wasn't coming up as much in the algorithm so they have made those tweaks um, and i totally agree with you you know i mean look i am never going to tell an attorney to get on here and talk about their stance on religion or abortion or something along those lines but you can get up here and like really lean into being a dog person and hating cats or really yeah. lean into you know thinking that uh orlando has better pizza than chicago or something rid even ridiculous like that talk about a divisive topic jeez but I mean, like, it's not, you know, no one's gonna go to war over that. They'll go to, they'll go to joking war. And, you know, so I, I think it's funny because you'll build relationships even across that division. You know, like I'm a big Dolphins fan. I know my team has been irrelevant for 50 years, my, more than my entire life. And I have great engagement with Patriots fans and Bills fans smack talking in a very like fun, funny and supportive way because yeah. it, we understand that it is, uh stupidly divisive i don't I mean that's not the right word but yeah we understand yeah, i'm a little more serious about that what <laughs> and i'm a little more serious about that but i get what you're saying <laughs> on the topic of these kinds of posts though i think i'm glad that we're talking about it because i think more and more we're hearing that when people are talking about marketing and strategies it's all like how can we build these funnels so that once someone signs up for something they get a gazillion messages until they finally buy. And we see this again in the course creator space quite a bit, but I think, I think we're seeing it across the board and with lawyers as well of there's this marketing emphasis on what can I be designing behind the scenes so that there can be this automated experience that's very passive so people eventually are led to buy or choose not to buy. And those things are super important. And I think if you don't have those things set up, you should. But again, I think we need to be careful there and not just put all of our marketing eggs in the basket of let me promote this freebie as much as I can and that be everything. And if it's if it doesn't result in people buying, then my funnel just needs a complete redesign versus adding layers of other types of content around it yeah i'm with you I, I still think even in those long-term nurture campaigns even in those drips even in whatever you want to call them 
I still think it's value, value, value. Yeah. I still think it's jab, 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 right hook. I still think it's, you know, I want to help you. Here's how I can help you for cheaper. I, I don't think that you say that or 99% of the time, but like, look, here's, you know, here's what you want to sign up for our newsletter. Here's some free tips here. You want to follow me on social media. Here's some free tips here. Oh, here's a video we did that talks about, you know, the three biggest mistakes people make when doing trademarks themselves. And maybe you watch it and that makes you hire us for it. Maybe you watch it and that makes you avoid some of those mistakes. Either way, you know, you've gotten value out of that. And I think by doing it in that manner, you're like incepting the sales in people's minds rather than coming off as salesy. Yeah. If incept is a verb. <laughs> I'll take it. Kim, any insight on that topic? I think you said it very well. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, oh, well, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Kim. I um, I know I have heard in the past um, this question of, well, if I'm going to make a video about this question, isn't that going to take billable hours away from me? If you know, I, I do a video of it, so I'm I'm giving away free information, like how Jordan was saying. Um, but what people, I think need to realize is the bigger picture of answering simple questions like that, even if it's a little specific and would be normally answered once somebody is a client, will actually build that trust and that relationship. And that actually will help and bring in more people and another referral source if they become a client. And it's, it's way more valuable to do those little things than it is to keep that close to the vest and only tell people that are clients and that way you can charge for that information or that that um advice so yeah i think that um the the thing to be concerned about and jordan and i've talked about this before is i think the business owners that are really having to watch being over givers right now are the ones who are intentionally going after a client base with smaller wallets. Um, and so I know Jordan and I have talked before about like, provide that, like, do you want it done free? Do you want it done cheaper? Do you want it done right? And I think as long as you have built up a, a, a machine that helps people get things done right, then that unlocks your ability to kind of give all day in a way that you can't if you don't yet have that right offer to give people. Well, See, and the, along those lines and, but I'm not sure, along those lines, it's to me, it is so arrogant to think that if I don't share this, it won't be out there. Like there's mm. people in this world, there are 1.3 million attorneys that like, you are not going to come out here and be like, here's my tip of the day that nobody else has ever thought of or remotely thought of that will blow your mind. And I need to keep it to myself. Yeah. And at this, and, yeah. and along those lines and back into that stuff is at the same time, I'm not going to watch one YouTube video and then change my own oil. Like I'm not that person. There might be those people. And my wife tried to be that person once with changing a faucet and we had a call on a plumber when there was water backing up. So oh I, <laughs> I quickly found the water line to take off. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be things that come up that are so different and so unique that, that 
you know, you have the people that are always going to be price sensitive. You have the people that are always going to try to do it themselves. You have the people that are never going to be interested in paying you or valuing you, even if they do pay you. But at the end of the day, a lot of those people are going to be scared, not scared away. A lot of those people are going to get themselves into an actual problem by following you and then call you to bail them out and will have respect for you from that standpoint. Or they'll get through it and not need you. And they would have been the biggest pain in the butt client. Those are the ones that are like, what did I pay you for? I could have done it myself. Yeah. And okay. And this is another thing, man, there's a lot of good lessons here. Something (laughs) that I've had to learn in the past is just because you feel like you're burned once by giving someone free information and then they do it themselves or they go elsewhere or whatever does not mean that that's happening to every single person that you're giving that, that free information or resource or time to, and, um, be just really think objectively and not emotionally when you start to see particular instances where you're like, yeah, Jordan, Joey and Kim, this all sounds great, but this one time, I gave this person this thing for free and they just left. Like, keep in mind that that will probably continue to happen, but there's a ratio there. And it's worth having that happen in limited circumstances because in most cases, there will be the payoff. Well, and to, to take that to its, its uh, nth degree, be honest with me here, Joey. Are there any client, any not clients out there, any potential clients that you have lost that you really sit and think like, oh my God, I screwed this up. I messed it up. What could I have done differently? Versus how many clients and don't name them. Have you had here? Like, I wish that person hadn't hired me. It wasn't yep. worth the money. Yep. That <laughs> person is the one that is going to be weeded out by you giving away everything for free. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. And another thing that I was thinking about when, when Kim was talking about like the, the importance of just hopping on that video, even though it might be a substitute for your hourly rate time, I think it's really easy to get lost in recency bias or to lose sight of the value of stuff that you've done in the past. And I, I'm always kind of surprised when someone signs up for something or reaches out and they mention that they watched a video or piece of content that I created years ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, that thing that I did that one time, it's still helping me. I think we lose sight of just how, just how helpful and one permanent piece of content can be over time. It's all valuable resources. Yeah. It's, there are, there are certain times where marketing has to be a quick fix, but there always needs to be the plan for seed planting. Mm. You know, yeah. whether that's SEO, whether that's personal branding, whether that's video content that sits on the internet forever, whether that's, you know, whatever that needs to be, you need to have those things going because those things will naturally tent snowball if you do it right, if you, if you stay with it, if you're consistent yada, 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 marketing speak, marketing speak, lawyer speak, (laughs) disclaimer, whatever. Um, The issue is you have a lot of these, you know, firms that are like, all right, I need cases tomorrow. So I'm going to run Google ads and I'm going to put all of my money into Google ads. And then 30 days later, they're still running the same ads. And then 90 days later, it's still the same ads. And then a year later, they only have the Google ads that they have to keep paying for. Yeah. And there's nothing to be able to grow except spending more in ads. Yeah. I'll never forget one of my favorite ads friends told me ads don't fix what's broken. 
they only amplify what's broken. And more often than not, we're using ads to help clarify things that we can improve as the main strategy and not necessarily like the goal is to get a four or five X return on investment here. Well, I always love a lot of like the stuff that you've talked about is you're trying to drive eyeballs to see if something is viable without paying for the eyeballs. Yeah. And that's such a great way to, to spend money, to save a bunch of time and a bunch of effort on, you know, a failed idea versus something that has potential. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love so much of the conversation that we've talked about in terms of just like going out there, not being perfect, being human, trying stuff. And I think when you couple that with getting better and better understanding data and knowing that like words matter. And I mean, I feel like you really need to have both, but it's, it's been when we realized, oh, if we change the wording on this button for people to book a call with us, the, the conversion rate on that page goes like doubles. And if we, if we do that, and we also attract more people to that call page, that's where the real wins are. Yeah, understanding the analytics behind what you yeah. do and learning from that. If you have a video that gets no views, that's fine. Figure out why. Figure out or try again and do a different video. And as long as you keep moving forward and keep putting it out there, you're going to see some kind of result, whether it's good or bad. And then that will help, like you said, it will teach you things about what you need to improve on and what you need to change to make it better. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned, so literally this morning I was listening to our director of words, Lane Crawford, was on the Too Legitimate to Quit podcast, and they verbatim are like, there's a button at the end of the page, everybody knows you're supposed to click it, so like, what does it say? It says click here, like, even if it said click the effing button, like, that would be better than click here, because everybody knows what they want, like, really changing, you know, those little things drive um, huge changes, because like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in that post- modernness of social media when everybody's like and click the subscribe button afterwards like everybody knows that now like, right you know, share this save it. i know i know like and subscribe has become yeah. like even like my two-year-old says it like my two-year-old nieces and nephews say it now it's 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 so funny um but a quick story on this one of my advisors told me this story around marketing and you might know it jordan and kim i uh but it was new to me which is that there was this uh there was this guy with the a gas he owned a gas station and a huge part of the profit margin was people coming in and buying ice. And so he, uh, he changed the signage on the gas station to say, don't forget your ice. Ooh. And the sales actually went down. Oh. And so he brought in a marketing person and was like, what's going on? And the marketing person spent like a minute and was like, the sign's the problem. He was like, what do you mean? Like, before I didn't have the sign, now I have a sign talking about the ice. And they were like, yeah, but it's don't forget the ice. And there's something psychologically about having like a don't or a no that will make people not want to do the thing. And that was a really cool wake up call moment for me because, and I think a lot of lawyers, there are things that we're cautioning our clients not to do. And so when we went through our call to action pages and some of our copy, and we changed our wording from 
don't do this or trips for avoiding this to make it more of a positive bent, we were getting more people to click through. Well, that's human nature. So like if you, like if if we all close our eyes and, and we can or not, and if you imagine yourself having a giant presentation tomorrow, the biggest pitch of your life for whatever it is, do a great job, be responsive, answer the questions, give it your all, as opposed to like, don't screw it up. Yep. You can't really frame in your head what don't screw it up looks like. You can frame in your head what rocking it looks like. You can frame in your head what knocking out of the park looks like. You can frame in your head positive things, but like our brain doesn't really not do negatives. Yeah. And that was intentionally a double negative. Yeah. yeah and, so, and so now more of our like buttons have been changed from like, save my spot or sign up for a call to like a heck yes, I want this. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's an actual like response of them saying yes to whatever the question is. So we've got a little bit less than five minutes. I want to make sure, is there anything else that we need to cover? I don't think so. Okay. On that positive note. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so don't, don't, uh, don't skip, don't miss out on your last point. I want to make sure we fully grab that last point. And so is there anything else that we wanted to add on there? I, I think the, if I can try and snowball everything into one thing, I think it's continue to have that like human first strategy to your marketing and lean into the data and the analytics on the back end as well. And, and have that be something that I think you as the business owner should to some degree gain mastery in, even if you're hiring help. This isn't something where you, I think, should just turn a blind eye, pay a lot of money and not worry about it. Correct. Yes. The social media. So one, I think all marketing should be done with you to some manner. It might be mm-hmm. 99 but excuse me. Um, but social media, personal branding, it better be done with you. Mm. There better be feedback. There better be that involvement. There better, it better not just be you rubber stamping it because at some point you become the wizard behind the curtain. You know, you get pulled back and shown for what you truly are if you're not genuine the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on that scary note, (laughs) um, so uh, our next episode that's going to air on today's Thursday on Monday, Monday, one 30 Eastern time, right? Breezy. Yeah, 1.30 Eastern time with Alicia Clincho, who's going to talk to us about the secrets to owning a small business and law practice. Uh, For those of you that have not had the chance to hear her amazing wisdom, she has some incredible insight on things in just a very, like, I want to say simple way, but I mean that as a total compliment. Like, it's Mm. stuff that I have noodled around for so long, and then, like, I'll hear the way that Alicia explains something and be like, yeah, that is... That is in two sentences what I have been sitting here for like four weeks trying to figure out like why something makes sense. It's so nice when people can do that. It's also a little aggravating. <laughs> I guess. You just have to hang out with them. Well, I know, I know. Well, I, I married somebody who could finish writing papers 10 times faster than I could. And we got the same grade. And I was always like, ugh, I love you. But man, I want to learn that lesson. That's awesome. So in that case, come back Monday at 1.30 and listen to mm. more of that insight and wisdom. Uh, with that being said, though, we're not going to let you go without the diamond nugget of wisdom, the biggest takeaway. If somebody's been listening to this for the last hour and they remember literally nothing that you have said, and Kim, you're going to go as well, 
what is your one piece of advice on how people can be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Hit the go live button, be yourself, and then pay attention to what happens. Love it. Kim? Just harping on what Joey said earlier, put the human first, not the number, not the dollar sign. It's when you market to the individual person, you reach a broader audience and a lot more clients that you want to work with. Yeah. Go, go stupid deep. Be super genuine. Yep. Oh, excuse me. Um, Joey, in the last 30 seconds, where can people stay in touch with you more? We've got all your links, but if people are going to follow you in one thing or listen to you in one place, what is the best spot? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hanging out probably the most right now still on Facebook. So if you just search, uh, I think it's, I think you guys have the link for it. I forget. Yep. Uh, but that's where I, I go to now that I've deleted email off my phone. So I go there and I see what's going on. All right. So follow Joey on Facebook. We've got uh, facebook.com slash indie law firm. And Breezy, make sure you get um, Joey's personal Facebook on here too. I think that might be the attorney for something, something. <laughs> we'll, we'll pull it and get in the comments. You guys, having having my name is hard because there's like a gazillion of us in the world. So I wasn't able to grab my name for anything. Can't trademark your name? You can actually. <laughs> There's two of me and that other, the other Jordan Ostroff, people want to hire him all the time. So <laughs> you are his current boss. You're doing something right. He's doing amazing. Yeah. You are a attorney for creatives. There we go. Attorney for creatives. Um, but other Jordan Ostroff or other Jordan Ostroff's boss, he's in demand. So <laughs> give him, give him that raise. Give it's him the really funny. mistake. I don't know. Cause I get a ton of emails from people <laughs> trying to poach him or give him opportunities or whatever it is. So too funny yeah all right well i'll see you all later uh next episode monday 1 30 and have a great thanks, day joey. thanks you guys thank you for listening to this episode of exhibit a attorneys if you're interested in becoming the exhibit a of successful attorney please check us out at legalesemarketing.com e-a-s-e -E.